Just a young gun with a quick fuse. I was uptight, wanna let loose, and I was dreaming of bigger things and wanna leave my old life behind. Not a yes sir, not a follower. Fit the box, fit the mold. Have a seat in for you. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. talking about today we're ending our parenting series today and we're going to kind of be talking about the thunder and the lightning and the tension that's part of every family right it's is am i right on that or is it just us yeah we're right okay we're going to be diving into that in just a few minutes um but i want to just share a couple things with you that are kind of happening around around kensington world just a little bit the first one is next weekend we're going to start a new series and i want you to watch this short trailer we put together and then we'll talk about it just a bit Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. That's what I want. As a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. I think the best is yet to come. I'm excited about this series. Let me tell you what it's about, and you can get a little taste of it from that video, but there was a book that came out, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, and it was called uh, Forgotten Ways by Alan Hirsch. And what he was talking about was forgotten ways of the church and the power and what God had really intended for this community called the church to be. 
Um, and so we're going to kind of explore that in three different contexts of, of uh, how church may seem kind of innocuous to us or irrelevant or whatever. But if it is functioning like it's supposed to, it's the most beautiful, powerful expression in the world. And so I'm excited for you to see that, especially if you're new to Kensington. I think this will give you a little bit of an insight into what really gets our blood pumping around this place. So that's, that's happening. Second thing I want to let you know is, um, and you've heard us talk about this, but uh, one of the really exciting th- things that we're doing right now is we're actually building a permanent facility. Uh, it's our third one in Clinton Township. And so we, we have Frankie the intern here who's going to kind of give us a little tour of the building so you can see the progress we're making on that. Oh my gosh, this thing is like a polar vortex. Can you see it, Tom? Oh my gosh, it's so hot. everybody, it's Frankie the Intern here. Uh, we're back to check out the Clinton Township building. We're going to get to go on a tour today. I'm pretty excited. It's our lucky day. Alright everybody, this way. This way. This is where we're going now. Something we're really excited about for this room in particular though is that if our alpha class really works out, we're going to be starting Beta and Charlie. Okay, you guys, this is the multi-purpose room. It's going to be used for alpha and celebrate recovery. They're going to have a production booth here in the back. Wow, is this the lobby? Oh, my gosh. Wow, a couple, just like several months ago, there was no roof. There was no walls. This is incredible. I've got a lot of pride and joys in this building. Like I tell you, one of them is the men's bathroom. So come here, check it out. Look at this. Wow. You got your sinks, but the best part is, look, how many stalls you got, look how many urinals you got. Oh, man. Look at that. Praise the Lord. And this one right here will be one with a handicap. Ooh. Big, nice, spacious. Look at that. Yeah. Plenty, plenty uh-huh. of room. Well, excuse me just for a moment. Oh, that's a urinal. Oh. Oh, is it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> from the outside looks like they got this garage door here so they can bring in any vehicles or large items such as an animal as we've had on stage before you guys look at this auditorium it's because of all the people who have given to the everyone campaign thank you guys so much it's gonna be thousands of people in this region who don't know jesus christ great people that god is going to bring and they're going to move this ball forward and we don't even know them yet it's pretty great to think about it All right, you guys, it's been awesome to be on this Clinton Township tour today. I'm pretty excited for the impact that this building is going to have. It's going to be awesome, you guys. Can't wait to see you guys next time. It's Frank the Intern, signing off. Much love. Hey, Tom, check this out. Check this out. I think they're going to build a pool in here because they got a ton of pool noodles. I'm going to build a raft. Yeah, there's not going to be a pool. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I got a chance to go out there just a couple weeks ago and kind of do the tour and walk around, and it's super exciting. And one of the things I just want to say again, you've heard us say this, but I think it's pretty radical about Kensington. We're pretty different this way. There are literally thousands of people <clears throat> who have given sacrificially to that building, which they will never sit in. Isn't that amazing? 
I mean, that is amazing. And it's not, this is not the first time. This is like the third time we've done this. And just that heart for saying, I really believe in being open-handed and blessing people just in our community here, but also around the world is a really cool thing. And so if you get a chance sometime and you're on that side of town on the weekend, visit them. Uh, we're hoping to open around Memorial Day. So it's coming up pretty quick. So anyway, that's exciting stuff. Hey, listen, one other thing I just want to say real quick. Did you notice that the parking lot is like packed? Yeah, you did. <laughs> well, there's a basketball tournament going on, so there's a chance for you to be super friendly to all those people. But this, this service doesn't just happen. I mean, you know that. You show up, and there's a whole lot of stuff going on. And I just want to say thank you to three people in the back. Uh, first of all, Chris Burrell, thank you. He's the guy with the Detroit baseball hat on right there. Um, has been in charge of all of our lights and stuff since we opened. Just amazing. Um, and then Jess Hotchkiss, it was so fun working with you today. She's going like this. Oh my God. It's her first time, I think. Is it right? Doing this? And it was, you were amazing to work with. She's in charge of all of our graphics. She's another powerful volunteer. And so give her a hand. And then, uh, we got Josh sitting there. I'm not, what are you doing today? Josh stage managing? Awesome. He's been doing video work, so he's incredible. He's been with us for months and months and months. And then lastly, uh, Tyler Hoost, who's our audio guy and in charge of all of our tech and production, is home in New York visiting his family. So he set up a substitute to come in. That guy got sick last night. And so we, we got nobody to set this all up and run sound. And, and so we text... Reagan Call, who's part of the Orion campus, he's I got a week off, always has his phone on silent and for some reason. It beeped when we text him and he woke up in a dead sleep, popped over here at like five in the morning and pulled this off for us. So Reagan, thank you so much. I mean, and actually, th this is kind of the norm of what happens here. You don't know what's going on, but there are so many people that are so responsive, uh, and a lot of you in the seats are in that volunteer army that makes this thing really work powerfully. So just wanted to say thank you for that. Um, hey, listen, go ahead and stand up and just say hi to some people, and then we'll keep going. She took her first step. Her. Have a great day, sweetie. I hope she'll be okay. Oh, she'll be fine. All right, hold still, honey. Here we go. Yeah, there it is. Okay, let's take a look. Oh, it's not too bad. Just a scratch. I think she needs stitches. Stop. I know, I know. I'm so sorry, honey. Girls can be mean. Be careful. And remember, everyone out there is an idiot. Ugh. Oh, honey, you look so beautiful. What's his name? Seriously? Oh, look at you. My goodness. Honey, we're really proud of you. 
Okay, you're gonna do great. I'll FaceTime you around four every day. <laughs> we'll see about that. Are you okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. It just went so fast. I know. I know. Well, I've said it before, if you've been here the last couple of weeks and seen that trailer, it's so nostalgic. And I think for us parents who have been through the phases, uh, we know it goes by like that, doesn't it? I know. I need a minute. I need a minute to, like, recover from that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of emotional. Um, but when we talk about this journey, and first of all, let me just introduce these. So we just thought as we ended this series that Callie and I, what did I say? Oh, that Callie and I would love to share with you kind of some kind of the inner workings of our family. And so we have seven kids, um, and Jordan is our oldest, um, and then Davey's number four. Uh, but we thought it'd be cool to bring up a couple kids that are on the adult side have kind of made it through the phases um, and have them be part of this message now when you talk about parenting I mean there is a lot at stake I mean right is I mean is there anything that's more important than your kids is there anything uh, that you love more than your children Um, and but here's the thing because it's so important and because you love them so much the pressure can be pretty intense I mean it's it's hard and it's hard to parent well. Well, and that's, yeah, I always say, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be a good parent and you're going to parent intentionally, it's going to be exhausting. It's going to be hard work, you know, not terrible, but hard work. Yeah. And you, you're so funny because you, whenever you get I'm with so women, <laughs> I just, talk, all I do is talk about how tired I am. Yeah. <laughs> but, but part of it's true. It's exhausting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and then here's the other part of it. So it's not just the effort that's exhausting the time, which is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not simple. It's complicated. And I feel like sometimes I think maybe the church has done a little bit of a disservice because sometimes I think we could be prone to putting like really clean little outlines together and kind of make it look like if you follow these three steps, you're going to have great kids. You're going to have well-behaved, happy kids. And part of it is it's not, that's not true, okay, uh, because kids have this thing called choice, uh, and it's very, very complex. And then the second part of it is like a, a well-behaved kid really isn't even the end goal. We talked about that in the first week some. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, today we're going to talk specifically, like I mentioned out of the song Thunder, we're going to talk about the tension there is in our families. And part of that tension is kind of wrapped around, you could say, the rules part of parenting and the relationship part of parenting. Um, and, and what happens is parenting a lot of times, I know it's happened to us and it can, it can start to feel like, especially for kids, I'm looking at a lot of kids in the audience, like it's a whole bunch of rules, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and this is a funny thing. If you're fighting for, and even if you win, okay, the battle for rules, adherence to rules, you could lose the war of what? Of relationship. Of really having a relationship with your kids. You've, you've probably heard this said. Rules minus relationship equals what? Rebellion. Rules minus relationship equals rebellion. And I think it's really true. 
So I'm going to spend just a minute, don't worry, I'm not going to talk that much later on, I'm going to turn it over, but I want to spend a little <laughs> bit on the front side, just giving us a little bit of a background where this comes from. Because the rules uh, minus relationship thing has been around forever. So I'm going to talk about Old Testament, okay, the nation of Israel for a minute, because they had this same thing going on. The religious leaders had basically codified or, or decided um, and identified that there were 613 rules, 613 laws that they needed to follow. And they were serious about it. I mean, they were really serious about it uh, to the point where the heart of the whole thing had kind of gotten lost. So they worked super hard at keeping the laws themselves, but I think they may have even fallen into the trap we do sometimes at working even harder at making sure the people around us follow the rules, and that's what had happened. So at one point, Jesus, when he came on the scene, was challenged by one of these religious leaders, a Pharisee, okay, in that culture. And it goes like this. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And you've heard us share this verse in the first week and second week a little bit. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law, so he said, all 613, okay, of the prophets hang on these two commandments. So let's, let's just kind of make a couple obvious observations maybe, but they're important. He didn't say, don't worry about the commandments. He didn't say, he said, they all hang on these two, okay? So it's like they're all subservient to these two. It's like if you are a really good Pharisee, or a really good churchgoer, okay? And you keep all 613, but you miss these two? It's like, that doesn't even count. That's what Jesus is saying. These two are the ones all the laws hang on. But then, here's another observation. And we're going to talk about this a little later on in the service. But he says, first and greatest, out of everything you could do, okay? Don't do this, don't do this. No, first and greatest, love the Lord your God with everything you've got. Everything you've got, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything. He says, love God, okay? And then after that, he said, it's like it, but then love others. Now, here, here's, something, here's something I want you to understand. If you think keeping 613 laws is hard, is that impossible? It is. And they couldn't do it. They tried super hard. Nobody can do it. Nobody can keep 613 laws. How about the Ten Commandments? Everybody, we've done that game before. We had people sit down and when I read one that they had broken. Nobody can do the Ten Commandments perfectly. If you think that's hard, try this one. Love somebody as yourself. That's even more impossible. See, that's the funny part. I think sometimes we think Jesus came along and he said, Hey, it's not about rules anymore. Here, it's just, it's just about loving people. Loving people is even harder um, we've read the we've read this verse. Where's my phone? Here it is. Um, many times in here because it's the you know it's the marriage verse. Um, uh oh, and it just went to a different site. Let me see if I can pull it up real fast. First Corinthians thirteen, right? We'll just I'll just paraphrase it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Right? It goes on at the end of it. It says it always protects. 
always hopes, always perseveres, keeps no records of wrong. You just, you list this and you go, oh shoot, man, I'm toast, if you're honest, because nobody can keep it. So here's, here's the interesting thing. I want to kind of setting this all up before we dive into kind of more practical parts of parenting. First Corinthians 13, love, it's impossible. It's impossible to do. But Jesus doesn't leave us hopeless because this is the gospel, the good news about Jesus. The good news is, is that he came to this earth to die on a cross for our sins and then invite us into relationship with him and have himself, the Holy Spirit, actually reside in us. And it's his life through us that can accomplish 1 Corinthians 13. I cannot do it. But when I can surrender and let go and allow his life to come through, that's when it can happen. That's our hope. And it's never about me trying harder to try to see if I can do it. Because I can't. And neither can you. The good news is, though, is that when Jesus says love others as yourself, what he's saying is, if you allow my life to live through you, it can happen. Does that make sense? That's a huge, because otherwise, if we put 1 Corinthians 13, then love is just like the biggest rule I can't keep. That's what it's going to feel like. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure you understood that. So Jesus says, it's all about love. It's all about love. And like I just mentioned, and I, I love teaching this, is that whatever Jesus asks us to do something, you know what? He always goes first. He always goes first. Listen to this verse. This is love. Not that we love God. Not that we got our act together and worked hard. And got, no. He said, this is love that he loved us. God loved us. And he sent his son Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then he says, because of that, because I went first and demonstrated love by giving my life and then have given my life to you, now we ought to love one another. Because I have that. So isn't that beautiful? It's all about love. I, I got to just tell you, this was so fun. I was working on the message two days ago. And I'm sitting at my desk. And my son, Michael, comes up to me. And Michael's seven. And he goes, hey, Dad, what you doing? I said, well, I'm working on a, a message. I'm going to teach the people at Kensington about parenting. He goes, oh. I said, well, what? Do you have anything that you'd want to say to people about parenting? Like, what, what do you think a good parent should be? This, I, and I was at my computer so i typed it word for word is exactly what he said he said be nice be grateful loveful and parentful (laughs) shareful love people no matter what they say be respectful and he turned walked away and yeah that's all and I was like, oh my gosh, it was 1 Corinthians 13, right? Come out of little Michael. And he's like, yeah, be respectful, love people no matter what they say. I was like, isn't that amazing? Well, the kids that are, are, and I always say, don't underestimate what's going on in your kids, right? It's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. If it's all about love, and, and what we're going to do is we're, again, just kind of giving us an umbrella to have this conversation. If it's all about love, it's not about fear. It's not about fear. When we parent poorly, when I parent poorly, if I kind of trace that back to what the heck was going on there, it's almost always 
fear motivated. Well, and when we were talking about this, this is where we agreed that I should take over because this has been one of my biggest struggles in parenting. Um, and for, I think, a lot of, well, for round one with you and Lindy and Kenny, um, and, and you, um, Oh, yeah. He's round one and round two, you know, like, uh, anyway. He's got the middle child yeah. syndrome going on there, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, until I really um, had to face my fear, um, I didn't realize how much I did because I was afraid. And even in my mind thinking, well, I'm afraid that, you know, they might grow up and, you know, do this. Or I'm afraid that, and I didn't realize how much of my parenting what and, other people and the are decisions, feel yeah, were based on fear. Like. Yeah, so it's what are other people, other parents think about my kids? What are their perception of my kids? What do, you know, does it look like I have control of them? Do I need to fix them? Do I, you know, all of these things, are they going to grow up to be, you know, a sociopath or whatever? And uh, I, I was really faced with this, and I'm, I'm sharing this story with her permission a couple years ago, um, our daughter Hope was really, really in a tough place. And because of that, I was really in a tough place. I felt like we didn't know how to help her. And um, I actually did a phone call with, uh, you probably heard Mark talk about our friend Jack Wilson, who is a psychologist and a friend, and he's counseled us through many, probably something, at least one thing with all seven kids. Um, and I was... I him too. Yeah, Jordan does him too. Um, but... I was telling him, you know, kind of all these things that were happening with hope. And he, he listened, and then he said, well, it sounds like you have a problem. And I go, yeah, I know, her. And he's like, no, I think we need to figure out how to fix your problem. And I just said, okay, you better talk quickly because I'm super offended right now. <laughs> um, and he said, you're afraid. Everything that you are doing is fear-based. And that was, you know, it was such a good kind of slap in the face because I probably had given that advice to other parents, just like, you know, if you're parenting out of fear, you're not parenting out of love. But in the, in the moment, I was so sure that my love for her was what was driving all of the stress and all of the angst that I was feeling in regards to that situation. And he was just like flat out, like, you cannot live like this and you will not make good parenting choices motivated by this fear that's just, you know, just engulfed your being yeah. at this point. Yeah. I, when we were talking about it, I'm like, man, I... So I have a almost five-year-old, a three-year-old, and um, another one on the way. And so things oh my feel gosh, are you pregnant? <laughs> um, but you know things feel pretty out of control at my house on a <laughs> I was going to say a daily basis, hourly basis maybe. And as we were talking about this, I just thought, man, each time I um, you know have a moment where I'm like, oh, I just did not handle that the way I wish I had in a calm, you know, manner or whatever. Um, it's usually because I, I start feeling that out of control, desperate, they're not listening. Um, so as they rise, then I rise instead of, you know, maintaining self-control. And, um, I think I shared this at Mother's Day last year, but, you know, I had a moment, I think last year where, 
Kaysen, my four-year-old, I think he was beating on my two-year-old, and I'm like, you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to stop. You need to stop. And then eventually lost, and I'm like, you need to stop! And he turns to me and goes, raw! <laughs> <laughs> I just burst out laughing because I'm like, wow, I totally lost that battle. Um, because I, and he wasn't even responding like in a disrespectful way it was just him literally <laughs> responding to my noise level um but you know i when we were talking i was saying this last week i hadn't you know he's he's four they're, they're trying to figure out all kinds of things and lots of emotions and um we had had a hard week and i was just kind of praying about it and thinking about it later that night like how can i help him through this phase and i just felt like in that moment I just feel like that is too much to, like, expect from myself that I would have to remain calm. Like, it is so frustrating when he's losing his mind, and I'm the one in a light bulb moment where Jesus is like, yeah, isn't that what you're asking him to do? He's frustrated. You're asking him to learn to have self-control in those moments and not blow up. Maybe you should show him what that looks like. And so I just... Man, parenting is so incredibly humbling, <laughs> and anytime yeah. we let that fear drive our parenting, um, I guess I end up responding like my children are in that moment, <laughs> now that yeah. I'm saying that. So, mm-hmm. so we, just, yeah. we just thought it'd be really important, again, and it may be something that's like, oh, that's nothing new, but that whole thing, this fear thing is a big deal, and as we go through the message, you'll just kind of, I mean, when we start talking just about some kind of practical points in these different phases... I think you'll see where this, whether it's based in love or fear, is really at the root of a lot of it. Well, and I, and I think it, it does sound very simple. It sounds very basic. But if we intentionally are, are checking ourselves and our motivations as parents um, on that grid, I think we'll find potentially how much we do parent out of fear instead of parenting out of love, yeah. you know? So I, one of the things that we found out, too, and I just want to share with you an idea, is that this whole idea of understanding who God is, is he a rules-based God or is he a, a, a love-based God, is a big deal because we will tend to parent, um, our parenting will reflect our image mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. Who we think he is, is really how we're going to parent um, so, um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I've you. noticed, uh, I mean, especially in my life, but in honestly, like a lot of, a lot of my friends and people that I've grown up with a lot of the years, I think too many of us grow up with an inaccurate, like perception of who God really is because of, we become products of parenting, whether you become just like your parents or you didn't want to be anything like them. So you went the complete opposite way that still makes you a product of, of their parenting and I like for me and just a lot of friends and and some people that I know it's just it's the unfortunate circumstances that because of the way that they were parented their their view of God is that he is completely ashamed of them and that they have no value they feel guilty about everything and anything they do they have no place no home no one to go to and i think even for people who aren't believers i think most people who aren't believers who hate god and don't believe in him they hate him because they hate their parents or they're mad at someone at who at some point parented them or had an effect on them that was wrong and they put that view right on god and they say well if my parents are like that then that must be who god is and if my parents didn't love me then god doesn't hmm. yeah 
So <clears throat> that's kind of the umbrella we wanted to start with. If God truly is loving, but has this beautiful, we're going to talk about this, this balance, right, of how to coach us and, and, and hold us accountable and so forth. So um, let me, let's just jump right in and talk about Jesus' way. Uh, because Jesus parented. He was not a biological parent. He was not a father in that regard. But the whole way that the kingdom of God was going to move through the world over the, over the thousands of years since was predicated on how he discipled or trained these 12 young men. And it's a really good chance, we were laughing about this, that these guys like Peter and John and James were teenagers. We think of them as these burly, you know, 45-year-old guys. They were fishing with their dad. And Jesus went out and called them out. So there's a really good chance these guys were like Davy's age, maybe even younger. Um, but this is one of the key things he did. And I've shared this many times. We're just going to, again, use this as part of our grid. Is that if we look at rules and relationship, Jesus was the master of both. So there is truth. There are things that we have to follow. But there is also this relationship that's absolutely vital. And we have this, this little matrix that we've used. I'm just going to put it up again. A lot of you have seen it and are practicing this. It's called the Invitation Challenge Matrix. And if you look at it, you can see that if we have low invitation, which would be the loving, kind of the compassionate, tender part, right? If we have low invitation and low challenge, so there's not much, there's no, no coaching, there's no accountability either, then... You just have a bored situation. It's kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's complacent. Yeah, it's complacent. Who cares? If you go up into that top left culture where you have a lot of love and support and encouragement, but not very much accountability or challenge, then what you end up is this cozy thing where there's lots of hugs and kisses, so to speak, but really not getting anything done that matters in the world. Okay. If you fall into this bottom right-hand corner where you're parenting in this case, so this is, this is for all of life, but we're talking about parenting. If you're down here and there's low invitation, so not much relationship going on at all, but a whole lot of challenge, then you feel completely stressed out. You feel like you're, it's a performance-driven thing. You're nervous. You feel, feel shamed. It's kind of like what Davey was talking about. Right. So, but if we can get into that top one, and this is where Jesus is so good and which I think is such a great model for parenting for sure, along with all the other parts of life, then we have all this support and love, the hugs, the affirmation, the belief in you, all of that, but it's balanced equally with challenge, accountability, right? Uh, all of this kind of stuff, and you end up really creating the kind of kid that we're hoping to see is that it's a world changer, somebody that has backbone, but compassion, he has ideas. He thinks on his own, but he knows how to play as a team. You know, so that's, and that's what Jesus is so great at. So there's, there's the grid. What we want to the grid, we want to jump into these four phases now um, of, of parenting. The foundational phase, we'll call it, um, 0 to 5, training 6 to 12, coaching 13 to 17, and the friendship phase 18 to adult. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump into this foundation phase. We'll kind of go quickly through this one. But this is a critical time, and you know this. For those of you with little babies up to five years old, this is where we are creating a sense of safety for them, okay? Stability, no fear. Their basic, I mean, it might sound simple, but their basic needs are met. They're being fed, they're being cared for, they're nurtured, right? Yeah, and then in this phase, is, you know, you hear it all the time, consistency is so important. And Jordan and I, we talk about this a lot because... Um, 
you know, it's, if there's ever a time in your parenting career that you need to just make a plan and run the plan, it's now. And you don't judge the plan necessarily. I'm not talking about like maybe, you know, at some point you may tweak and of course you want to accommodate, you know, individual characteristics of your kid, but you really want to run that plan and not base it, its success on necessarily your child's behavior. Okay. Pick a plan, run the plan. Yeah. I think that's really important because, uh, just from my experience in the last five years, uh, I mean, the phase, they change every week, it feels like, <laughs> right. or every day. I don't know. And so to um, really write it out, um, decide the things that you feel like are really important, uh, whether it's values, boundaries, all those things, um, and uh, and run the play. And I th- one thing that we were talking about, too, is that we're not fixing a problem. Um, we're training and when we were saying that, I was like, man, for me as a parent, that feels like a lot of freedom because instead of feeling desperate to fix the problem, I can look at a situation without surprise and go, yeah, we're training. Let's do it again. And um, yeah. that, that is very, very freeing and takes a lot yeah. of the pressure we off. We have a good friend, Betsy Proper. I talk a lot about her. She's a great friend. And she says, yeah, take about 500,000 times. Just say it 500,000 times, and then they'll start to get it. Right. Yeah. And it's just over <laughs> and over. So we've got consistency. Jordan mentioned it. Their boundaries are super important. You guys know this. And we're not. Gonna, this is a message for another day. But um, children need boundaries. They, that's what helps them feel safe, okay? Um, and values. This is where we start imparting the values that we really want our kids to know. Really laying the foundation for Yeah, just watching again with our grandkids or Jordan kids. Love, self-control, patience, respect, right, of people, responsibility, sharing, all that kind of stuff, right? It's in there. Um, So let's jump right on to the next one. Training, 6 to 12. Um, Train is a great verse from Proverbs, King Solomon. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old... He will not turn from it. Okay, so there's this, 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 and Jordan already mentioned it, this whole thing of not just fixing kids, but being involved in this process of training. Um, Jack Wilson, whom Callie mentioned, I remember sat down with us and he's told us uh, many times that you have to understand that your values that you're imparting to your kids, they have their value system like firmly rooted. It's like done by age eight or nine. Eight or nine. It's like they already got it loaded, locked and loaded, what, that, what really matters to them. And so, man, this is such an important age um, to do it right. Here's, here's a cut. I want to give you just three quick things that we talked about that we felt were helpful for us. The first one is be patient in your training. And Jordan kind of alluded to that. David, I'd like you to speak about that one a little bit. Yeah, I just, we were, we met on Friday just to kind of talk about it together, and he, he asked me what was like a really frustrating thing for you in that time, and I just remember when I, you know, what is it, 6 through 12, yeah, it's a really good age, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just remember anytime I get in trouble for something, it just felt like an absolute unfair interrogation. It's like watching like blacklist and they like take you into a dark room and there's no chance for, there's just no chance for escape. You're just interrogated and they're going to get what they want. And that's what it felt like. And it was so frustrating because it always, it always ended about halfway through. It was always, so why did you do that? Why did you do that? And I just couldn't process it fast enough in that time. I'm I'm a really internal processor, and I couldn't keep up with their speed. And so while they're asking, why did you do it? 
all that would come out was, I don't know. And that was interpreted as incredibly disrespectful and that I had an attitude and I was being a brat. But for me, I just had no idea. I don't even know why I did what I did and I couldn't tell you why. So that, that was extremely frustrating. This, I, I hope you hear this because I think this was one of my biggest mistakes. Um, I really was attempting to, to connect with him, but I was not, I was completely unaware of how he processed and that he, when he was saying, I don't know, I hope you caught that. I misread that completely. I thought he was being a jerk and disrespectful. So, man, it just came down when he literally didn't Lots of know. push-ups. He needed, some, <laughs> he needed some time. He needed a day or two to figure out what that was. And yeah. I, I heard this great uh, definition of patience um, the other day. And it just said, patience is going at the speed of the other. That's what patience is, going at the speed of the other. And that's what, that was the whole thing. If I would have just slowed down to his speed, I would have found out he actually had something to say, and it would have given you a chance to breathe and figure well, it out. And that's so, I mean, in the, you know, in the context of real life, that is very challenging to slow down and go at the pace that your child needs to go at any given time. Like when you hit a situation like that, you know, you, you know, if you're like, uh, you know, we've got multiple kids, multiple stuff going on in the house. Like if I'm going to take the time to sit down, let's fix this right now. So we don't have to revisit it again. You know, you get in that mindset and then, you know, when your kid's 20, he's like, yeah, that made me feel really bad, you know? So it's just, it's so worth it uh, again, to be so intentional. And if you have to drop something, drop something. Drop whatever that thing is that seems so important and really tend to your child in that moment. Yeah, I I just had a, because Davey and I are very similar that way, and I tried mm-hmm. to give them a heads up. Uh, <laughs> we're so happening. slow. But I didn't we're realize so it until I was like slow. 18. But I think that was one of the things, you know, that we talked about a lot is that in that not being addressed, that, oh, you're an internal processor, I was never taught how to internally process and yeah. then come back and handle the conflict. And so then I'm like married and we have issues because <laughs> I, I don't know that that's part of it, you know? So I think it's really important to learn your child that way. How do they process? What do they need to get there? Um, and then really teach them and walk alongside them in that. Uh, and there's so many things like that, but that, I think that was one of the big misses for me. I, you know, I hit the 18 year old part and I didn't know how to do that within relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number two. So that one's be patient, right? Second one, this second one I think is so powerful is be positive, which again, sounds really easy, but I want to put this angle. I, I know a lot of parents and they're all well-meaning and I've done the same thing. I've definitely done this. And it's usually when that fear thing creeps in. And we, we start to fear what the outcome is going to be. Like if my kid keeps going down this path and your brain is like, I can see the picture, right? And so we come at it from that picture. I'm just telling you, you what? You know, and we start at the picture. And, and what happens, we end up shaming them and starting with this heavy. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we can start from the positive side, especially in this younger age, 6 through 12 is the perfect time to do it of whatever that outcome is, outside of when behavioral stuff's going wacky, paint pictures for your kids of something that's beautiful. Like paint the desired future. Get passionate about it. Go with them on trips. Take them places. Watch movies together. And instead of it being like, you're never, you know, it's about, oh my gosh. I'm telling you, dude, that's you, man. 
I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. Uh, uh, here's the one thing I think that I did well. The one thing. I did one. I got one. <laughs> and it was because my mom did it really well. And I, I actually learned it from her. And I've shared this with you. But I did a, the best job, I think, with the girls, the two oldest girls. But I, be, I remember my, hearing that my mom prayed for us every single day. And she did even before we were born. And so I decided as much as I could, and usually at bedtime, I would lay down in bed and we'd pray together. But what I would do is I would paint a picture of what their marriage was going to look like. And specifically, who their spouse was going to be. And we'd pray for him. Mm-hmm. Like, every night. And we'd say, man, he's going to be handsome. And they'd go, <laughs> you know. And he's going to be strong and courageous. He's going to protect you. He's going to be a great dad. And then we'd go on and on about everything that their husbands were going to be. And then we talked about, and so, I said, what is so awesome is you're going to save all your kisses for him. Because you are going to have something that nobody else gets to share. And they could, it was this amazing picture of that. Instead of, I'm telling you, if that kid comes around his house, I'm getting a shotgun out and laying on a table Right? Like, no boys are bad. I'm telling you, you stay away from them, right? Um, don't you do this, and if you're, you're just going to end up, you know. And I've heard, I've just seen so many people fall into the negative side mm-hmm. instead of taking this, this, again, this consistent painting of a picture of a future. So, I. Well, that, and you did do a really good job because we have like the most amazing sons in law on the planet. Well, they, I don't think I did. Super well. No, I actually, but, no, but here's the thing. painting that picture really, yep. I mean, I even think about um, just going through the teenage years with the girls and how picky or selective they were just about like, you know, it be boys that were interested and there was, they were nice boys, but they weren't the boy. They weren't the person that, that they had dreamt of and, and their dad had described so many times. And I think, I think too, like if you start from a place, uh, I would, I think for a lot of years, I started from a place of prevention. Like that was the foundation of how I, you know, worked my way through and navigated my through situations, trying to prevent things from happening or trying to prevent my kids from doing certain things instead of starting with freedom as the foundation, freedom for them and discovering what that looks like and then kind of working my way through, navigating my way through it. I think, you know, potentially that's a a trap for, you know, parents. Here's another one. It's similar. Uh, Davey and I kind of really lived this out and I I think I struggled with this. So that's where I did well with the girls. This is where I did poorly with with the boys. Um, Is uh, I remember seeing and I was excited about inviting my kids into my world, which I, I think is a great value. Um, sometimes I think our cultures become too kid centric where everything's about the kid, the kid. And I think it's really cool to invite your kids into your world and pull like in an apprenticeship way and so forth. So I had this vision. Um, I was so pumped about it, man. And I was super into sports um, and super into the outdoors. And so, man, we were going to go on ventures. Well, the thing is that the way m- both of you guys are wired more than sports, it was a music. It was an artistic thing that was a much stronger part of your life. And so when that happened, I was just like, 
the heck? And, I was, and I, if I was honest, again, I was hurt. And I had a dream that was crushed. But this, what did you feel from that? See, that's a... Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because, yeah, like, my most vivid memories of that, like, we, we enjoyed sports together. Some of my, my best memories are, like, playing catch in the, in the yard, like, in the backyard and stuff. But the one thing that he loved that I just did not was just working with my hands and, like, building projects. And he would pull me out in the garage, and I just remember so many countless summer mornings started like this. <laughs> where he's, like, he's, like, super excited Saturday about mornings. to build. Yeah, Saturday mornings. Super excited to build something. We go out into the garage, and I'm just pissed. And I don't want to be out there. I don't want to be spending my day like that. I don't want to build some of my hands. And it was funny because he's so excited and he was always teaching me things and he taught me a lot of things. Like, you, what, you know, if you're working on a project and it's not your stuff, like you always leave the place better than the way you found it. And that's something that I've taken with me um, in a lot of places in life, especially in my work life. But we would sit there and I just wasn't interested in doing this stuff. And... You know, when, you're, when your kid's little, they're usually pretty selfish, your little kid. And so I'm being selfish and, you know, not understanding that he wants to do something with me. But the problem was is he was also kind of interpreting it as, like, I was just being disrespectful. When really it wasn't the case. I just, I just wasn't interested. And it was hard because we were, we were just butting heads. I wanted to be do something different. Like, if I was being honest, like, at seven, eight years old, I didn't want to build a birdhouse. I wanted to color like, I wanted to, like, sit down and draw something. And I loved drawing with him, so I'd rather be drawing pictures with my dad than building something in the garage. Mm. Yeah. So I, I wish I would have done the next thing, which is engage yourself in their world. I wish I would have been able to see that because I would just kept thinking, why won't he, you know. And I, and I needed to step away from my dream, uh, not all of it, but really right. see yours and step in. I didn't do enough of that. I want to jump into this coaching thing, and um, we just don't have as much time as I wish we had, but this is, this is such a great age, 13 to 17, and, and so now it's, it's different, right? We're walking alongside our kids. They, they, we kind of get their bend, um, and it's a different posture. We're a coach walking along with them. Um, one of the key things that has been something that I think is such a great thing is to strive for long leashes. Strive for long leashes. Um, kids need practice. They, they need to find out things on their own and really experience good and bad consequences mm-hmm. for their stuff, for their choices. Not always under the, you know, the kind of the box or in the box from our choices and being frustrated by them. Hey, put them out there when it's appropriate. As long, we always say, make the leash as long as you possibly can. There's a point where it's just not long wise. enough. That they don't choke themselves. That's what <laughs> yeah, but it's really true. So anyway, strive for long leashes. Um, one of the things, too, uh, along this line is a lot of times we are so, and you alluded to this, Jordan, with the little kids, we're so focused on good behavior, right, that we think good behavior equals good parenting. No, it doesn't. Not See, a lot of times yeah. the best parents are parents that are okay with their kids misbehaving. Because they see the long-term thing. They give them a leash because they want them to taste the consequences of not studying for the test. And then realizing, oh, because of that, I couldn't take the class I actually wanted to take. Or, or I couldn't play the sport because I great. You know what I'm saying? But they, they let the kids. So it looks like, oh, that's bad parenting. Not necessarily. Well, and again, it's not trying to prevent bad things from happening to your kids all the time. 
It's, it's about allowing them to experience reality and life. And like you said, walking alongside of them. This is really where they still need a mom and a dad, but they are transitioning. This is part of the transition into that friendship phase as they become adults. And the fear and love thing, when you get this right, that leash is the right length. And when we have God with us, where we're really following him, we can look to him for wisdom because every one of these situations is nuanced. I don't think it's very wise to just come down with a wrong rule, right? Because right? for every kid, it's a little different. But anyway, so that's strive for long leashes, I think is a great thing. It's worked well for us. This is another one real quick. Share your past mistakes. Share your past mistakes. Another way you can say is apologize. Um, We've, we've known a lot of people, uh, great people, but they, they feel like the way to parent is never let your kids know how you screwed up. And we just couldn't disagree farther. You uh, know, it was something, I think, too, that um, you kind of, for me, I had to make the decision that that was something that I was going to do. Because the way that it ended up unfolding for um, me with the kids was that we would be talking about something else it would happen organically and then that question would come up and I had to I think I had to it was good that I made the decision that I was actually going to share that part of my life with them at some point so when the question came up I was like oh this is the time this is the time I'm going to you know reveal parts of my past and parts of my mistakes that I made um, with my kids yeah, I think what it really does, too, as we're talking about moving from the coaching uh, phase into the friendship phase is you're making yourself a real person to your kids, um, which, then as we're talking, it takes a lot of courage because you're letting them see you as you really are. Mm-hmm. And um, I that, that really is one thing that I, I feel so thankful for, and I felt thankful for it, um, you know, in middle school and high school as we were having these conversations, and I knew... Um, that she was being honest with me um, because it really, it gave me a picture, um, sorry, in a lot of ways of what I didn't want to do, (laughs) but she was so open about it. No, I mean, I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, she was so open about it. um, And just like, man, I, I'm not saying this because I'm like, don't do this. It's bad. I'm saying this because of the pain and the hurt that it brought me and the way I'm still healing from it now. And um, I just, and on top of the fact that it also opened a huge door for us. So there were a lot of times, um, especially in high school where I, you know, didn't make great choices. Um, I always told her. Because I, I knew she had been there. Um, there was this open communication, and I knew that, um, I mean, I might get in trouble, but there was still going to be a grace and an understanding there mm-hmm. and um, a relationship. So, I, um, but yeah, lots, I mean, that definitely takes a lot of courage to yeah, do that. I mean, I being in that, that side of vulnerability will, I mean, really establish kind of like what we're talking about next, which is building a relationship that's off of mutual respect and trust. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing is if you if you don't respect the kids the way you demand they respect you and you're not vulnerable, you're not telling them, you're not being honest, you don't really get to be surprised when you find out something five years after it happened. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what, what in the world? I did not know about this. It's like, well, you don't tell us anything. Why would I tell you guys? And I think a lot of parents miss that. And I know we miss that a little bit in our relationship due to some other circumstances, but... I think a lot of parents miss 
the opportunity to establish that level of trust and respect where their kids feel like they actually can tell them anything because there's no fear that they have to be ashamed of what they've done or that they're so much worse than their perfect parents. And honestly, I've seen a lot of friends. I've had a lot of friends who have totally just made decisions and totally tanked over the last couple years. And it was because they didn't feel that they were safe enough to go to their parents and tell them. And I think what was happening is, sorry, I got to put this over here, is that they were literally like reaching out for someone. They're like, listen, I'm knee deep in muddy waters and I really need someone to just pull me out. Let me be honest. Let me be vulnerable. Pull me out. And they can't do that because the moment they reach out and they say, I made a mistake, their parents are just going to come down on them with a hammer. And, that, and I saw a lot of it, and they just it destroyed their relationship with their parents, and it destroyed their confidence. And they kept going down the road they were going because they were like, well, it doesn't matter anymore. Mm. You know? We're going to finish. Um, <clears throat> there's one last one in this, in this age. Uh, recruit an army. I mentioned that two weeks ago. And what we mean by this is that you can't, we, aren't, we aren't supposed to do this alone. Davey and I had a, we were, we had a lot we could talk about. We'll save that for another time. But... Um, in our culture, the apprenticeship culture has gone. It's like we're in age segments, right? And so like you were even saying, you put 600 middle schools in one school or six middle, 600 middle schoolers in one building and there's very little influence, right, in a regular organic way. Um, whereas in days past, it would be aunts, uncles, cousins, kids, everybody living every day together, eating every meal together. And there was this natural progression um, that's, that's missing now. We need people. So for a lot of you that are maybe even single in this room, this message is so for you. Uh, it's so for you. Part of it is just, it's just, it's all about your identity in Christ and so forth. The other part that's huge is we need you to love our kids with us. I mean, these guys have had so many single people that have had a lot of discretionary time pour into them. It's been amazing. I mean, you're different people because of that. So I would just say, don't do it alone. And if you feel alone, like I don't have anything to offer, yes, you do. There's a kid, I don't care how old he is or how old she is, that could really use your input. So here's the final thing. Our ultimate goal at age 18 and beyond is friendship. It's friendship. Um, Jesus said this, I no longer call you servants. <laughs> Sometimes I think parents, we treat our kids like servants. We just want them to behave and do what we ask. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You see what he's saying? It's like he's so close to the father, everything he's getting, everything he's thinking, everything he's doing, he's imparting. To his disciples. And as parents, it'd be the same thing. I'm not calling you anymore a servant or my kid. Jordan and Davey, they're my children. Yes, absolutely. But more than that, I really see them as brothers and sisters in Christ. I really do. They're my equals. That's the goal. And I, I, I receive every bit, probably more from you than I'm giving you guys at this point. And, and so that's a really beautiful thing when that can happen. Um, I would, I'd last thought is this, <clears throat> this verse, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. Why does God say that's the first and most important command? Because if we are loving him and connected to him, do you see that natural progression? Even when Jesus says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends because he's imparting everything he receives from the father. If we are receiving everything from God, 
and that starts to be what is imparted to my kid, you see why that's the most important commandment? Because mm-hmm. if I'm imparting Mark Nelson on Davy, and I have, it's not been that great. Mm-hmm. But the parts when I have had the Holy Spirit in me, and I've been connected, and I'm loving God, and that is what's going to Davy, it's been really good. Because mm-hmm. it's him. It's not me. Well, I think it's just really important to say that, you know, um, Mark and I probably are too too comfortable with the mistakes we've made. I, I think it's really important just to remember that none of us are going to do this perfectly. No. And we do need Jesus. But our kids have a journey that they're going to go through. Every individual does. And just to remember that God's grace is totally sufficient for you and for your children. And so even that part, that friendship phase, a lot of that is about forgiveness. It's about forgiving, you know, like you have the ability to see in hindsight a lot of your mistakes. To be able to really forgive yourself for that, to apologize to your kids, to hopefully, you know, offer them an opportunity to be able to forgive you for the things that that you didn't do quite right and things that you did that hurt them. I think that's so important. It's so important to just go into this parenting journey and go through it with humility and grace and forgiveness and absolute trust in Christ that he has got you and he's got your kids. So the band's going to come out, and I, I love the way we're going to end today. Uh, Jordan and uh, Davey are going to lead us in a couple songs that are perfect uh, because they talk about the courage and, and the faithfulness of God, the courage we can get for God, because it takes courage to parent, man, doesn't it? Um, but also just to realize that God is going to be faithful in this journey. And we're going to take our offering right now. Uh, so ushers, if you would come down and... Again, I just, I love this moment because this is our chance to say, God, I trust you. I love what you're doing in the world. I want to be a part of it. I don't want to just hang on to everything myself. So this is a beautiful, powerful part uh, of every, every service. So anyway, yeah, let's just worship together. And I hope this is an encouragement, uh, really an encouragement to you from God himself.
your triumph unfolds He's never failing He's never failing No
to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. He's never failing. Sing, take courage and take courage. My heart stays steadfast. My soul is in the waiting. Is in the waiting. And hold on to your hope. Watch your triumphs unfold. He's never failing. He's never
gosh, that is so encouraging, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I just felt when it, when Davey was singing, I will rest in your faithfulness, right? I will rest in your faithfulness, in your promises. And it's in the waiting. It's in the waiting that the power is. And God is so for you, you guys. Whether your kids in here or your parents, uh, no matter what age your kids are. Um, and I would just say, for some of us who get tricked, and I'm that person sometimes, who get tricked into not really uh, pursuing God with everything I've got, if I hold him at arm's length, then I'm shortchanging what my kids get to receive through me. I think you could just sense that, right? If I'm resting in his promises and his faithfulness, how are my kids, what are they going to feel from me? You know, if I'm, but if I'm, if I'm caught in fear and I've tried to do it on my own, it's so different. I just wanted to remind you, we've had these stickers. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4. And that's the very first part of that verse. We read that Jesus about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, right? Um, and then the verse continues it and it says, man, tell your kids, talk about it in the daytime, talk about it at night when you're lying down, when you're going, and just all and everything. So, and it said, one of the last parts of the verses, it says, and write it over your doorpost. And so, I mean, you don't have to put this on your doorpost, but you might have some place just to remind you that first and greatest thing, stay connected to him. Because when you do, man, it's going to pour into your kids. All right? Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.